Go buy it. What size was it? I love it. Remind me to hit you. Remind me to hit you later. All right, Titus chapter two. I'll show you after. I don't want to distract you. All right, we're going to, you got three minutes of, let's make sure we're on the same page. God assigns Titus. God assigns a young man named Titus to build a church in Crete. God has Paul write him a letter to explain, here's how that gets done. The first thing that, the overall mission, I want you to stay in the text. The overall mission, the overall purpose, the overall direction that God gives Titus is finish what you started, set things in order. I, I, and I, I've never heard anybody disagree with this, but I'd be I'd welcome your disagreement. I think that every church that is intent on trying to be God's church, any church that's intent on being a church that belongs to Christ is still unfinished. It's still got work to do. Would anybody disagree with that? Anybody? Now that's true whether you're, you've already paid off your building and you've got the padded pews and the stained glass and the nice pulpit and a full staff and a budget that mirrors what LSDs is. But it's also true of little churches just getting started, meeting in restaurants, old restaurants, or in somebody's home. Every church that has an intent of becoming the church that God wants it to be and the church that that community needs it to be is still unfinished. Would you agree? All right, so what are the things that are such a challenge? When you start finishing stuff, that's when it gets real challenging. So what are the challenges? When you're building a church like this one, or if you've been a part of any church where they were building, what's the challenge? So what's the challenge? There are flawed people, so what are the challenge of those flawed people? All right, how to get along and stay with the scriptures and not let our personal preferences or our personalities distract us. Keep going. What are the challenges of building a church? Now, back up. Rewind that tape. What are the challenges of finishing what we started? That'd be true of any place, but I'm talking about even for particularly us. Sometimes you lose sight of why it began to be done in the first place, why 
idea of what it was for and what your mission was, we become more concerned about the problems people are complaining the most about. All right, good. I want, I want us to turn just a second on what Brad just said. What happens? Why does a church that starts out with a real intent of praising God, blessing people, saving sinners, like the church in Acts, the two churches in Acts we looked at just a few weeks ago, Jerusalem and Antioch, praising God, blessing people, saving sinners. How does it happen that a church forgets what their purpose is? They want to maintain, and I want you to think through that. Bart introduced it, so I want somebody to follow up on that. They try, start trying to maintain what they have rather than continuing what they were doing. Why? It's comfortable. It's we got what we want. We're finished. I mean, this is a nice little church. You got nice chairs. You know, the coffee is excellent. I mean, really. So what is it that causes us to get distracted from our original purpose? And, and what I hope we're saying is our God-given purpose. What causes us to be distracted? What causes us to slip toward maintenance rather than um, building? And All right, com keeping complaints to a minimum. All right, start out pleasing people instead of God. Anybody else? Ooh, you pride in what we've done instead of what God is doing. And you get tired. You get tired. Because every time, well, if you've been doing the same thing for how many years? Ten years for Paige. Been doing the same thing. What's easy to do? Get tired. You started teaching a Bible class and you, you got stuck in there and you're teaching it and it's been ten years. It's easy to get tired and it's when you get tired, you can get irritable. When you get irritable, you can express it to somebody. When you express it to somebody, somebody can express it to somebody else. And then by the time it's expressed three or four different levels, what's happened? It's an issue. All of a sudden it's an issue. And the issue has to be resolved. And so what are you doing? You're resolving the issue rather than praising God, blessing people, and saving sinners. What are the challenges? Last call. What are the challenges of, of growing a church, being a church that's growing, finishing what we started? Wherever, exactly. Good point. Tell me what's the problem there. What's the challenge there? I won't say problem. What's the challenge there? When you start bringing in new people, now, and I, I gotta take a guess that you've never been in a church, a part of a church that's brought in as many new people as this one has, and it's a constant stream. 
constant, well, not constant enough, but constant stream. What's the challenge there? All right, they bring in new problems, new needs, new wants. I think that was a confirmation of your point, you know. I heard... She's in the <laughs> It's double jeopardy, yeah. I always wish I could time, time that. If I knew that was going to happen, I'd be making a point. And if I'm about to say something and you hear bells, that means I'm right. <laughs> Maybe I can set that up in my phone on a timer. Um, I watch it in families all the time. The baby born gets all the attention until the next baby's born. And then what happens? There has to be an adjustment. Not It's not personal. It's not critical, it's it's natural, it's normal, it's the way life is. It's interesting, we went for quite a while, quite a while where we had the same new Christians. And all of a sudden these folks that were new Christians were new Christians for five, six years. I remember meeting a guy at big church a long time ago, big church a long time ago, and I asked him something, and I think I asked about maybe him helping with the teenagers. And he said, oh, I don't feel qualified. I said, he said, I'm just really a, a new convert. And I said, really? Tell me, when did you become a Christian? He said, oh, it's about 15 years ago. <laughs> and we laugh. But some of us are sitting there thinking, I'm not ready to do this yet. Is it possible that one of the biggest challenges we have is we have been sitting waiting for somebody else to do it and maybe God is expecting us time, it's time for us to take care of it. I think that's really what we're going to hear today in Titus chapter 2. Look at Titus chapter 2. And we're not studying it, I'm just mentioning it. There was a writer that wrote to a church that was trying to finish what was lacking. And he said, by reason of time, you should eat milk, eat meat, and not milk. Is it possible that part of the growing pains we feel here is we have never been a part of a church where all of a sudden we were expected to pick up and start handling responsibilities of teachers and or leaders 
because somebody's always been taking care of us. You must teach what's in accord with sound doctrine. That's a directive to the teacher. That's a directive to us. We don't have a preacher. We got us. You must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-control, sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanders or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, to be subject to their husbands, so that no one will malign the Word of God. Similarly, young men, the young men, encourage the young men to be self-controlled in everything. Set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say, it, say to us. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to please them, not to talk back to them, nor to steal from them, but to show that they may be fully trusted, so that in every way... They will make the teaching about our God, our, about God our Savior, attractive. In those first ten verses, what'd you notice? In those first ten verses, what'd you notice? Everybody has a place. Everybody's welcome. Everybody has a job. Say it however you want to say it. Everybody. Everybody has a place. Now... Have you ever been in a church that was predominantly un, uh, directed by, and I'm going to use a, a phrase that's going to sound negative, but you'll understand what I mean, catered to folks that were older to maintain them and to keep them happy? Is that healthy? That is not healthy church growth. That's not healthy church building. That's not healthy church finishing what you started. Because those very people, when this church, that church started, were, they were the young ones. They were the ones that did all the work. They were the ones that carried all the load. They were the ones that were doing the Bible classes and the vacation Bible schools. And they were the ones that were moving the tables when tables needed to be moved. They were the ones. And then finally they get up older and what happens? They're tired. And they got a few aches and pains. And they have earned the right for these young people to listen to them. You're not going to hear that in here. You're not going to hear that in here. That attitude, that is not healthy church growth. That's not healthy church living. Now, have you ever been in a church, and it is true of most church plants right now, it is true of most church plantings right now, that it's the young crowd that plants the church. And it is directed by and catered to the younger crowd. Guess what's going to happen? If God blesses their work, if they do what God says and they build a church, guess what's going to happen when they become the old? Same thing. What did we learn here? What did we learn in Titus chapter 2? You tell me. It takes all of us, y'all. It takes all of us. And no, and we've said it in here before. I, I don't want the ladies moving tables. I've had some of you ladies say, I'm able to move. I know you're able to move a table, but I also know we've got some young fellows that can move a table. And uh, be real honest, they need it. They need that to do what they can do. Because they can't do some of the stuff you can do. I'd rather you ladies do what you can do, right? Wouldn't we all rather that be the case? 
cook. Do something like that. We love you cooking. Don't be moving tables. I'd rather you cook than move tables. Eloise, leave the tables alone, all right? All right. All right. Older men. Older men. I believe, I, no, Lynn is the oldest man. No, and Leland's older than me. So Leland is older than both of us? All right, Lynn, be temperate, <laughs> worth. <laughs> yeah. Richard, how old are you? All right, Lynn, Lynn, be temperate, worthy of respect, self-control, sound in faith and love and endurance. All right, now, we don't have any older women, so we're going to skip that part, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, were you were you ten when y'all got married? Yeah. <laughs> no, you really don't want to be ten when you're married because that be, you're still too old. Uh, never mind, we're not going there. All right. If 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 we're gonna finish what we started. We need you, old men. We need you, old men. Yes, we do. We don't need you to tell everybody what you think they, you think they ought to do. We don't need you to sit around and talk about the good old days and what you thought the church ought to be. No. We need you to be good examples of being temperate, not hot-headed, worthy of respect. Now, folks, I'm... I'm you know this is right. You know I believe this. We should be respectful of anybody, any age. So what I'm about to say does not erase the demand for any of us to be respectful to each other. But older men, we are given a direction, a directive by God to be worthy of respect. We earn that respect. Now, Jesus would teach us to respect each other anyway. But he's putting the on us, on us. We be worthy of respect. Let's be the kind of men that are worthy of respect. And let's be self-controlled. We've been working on some of these emotions for 60-something years. Maybe it ought to be time we've got a handle on some of this. And it's not that the emotions are going to change. It's our reaction to the emotions need to change. And be sound in faith, in love, and endurance. Ladies, if we're going to finish what we started, we need some older women. Now, I, I, I've been doing this long enough to know that when I get down to this passage, I, it's amazing to me how many older women want to teach to the we're going to train those younger women part. Now, they haven't done it, but they just want a chance to tell them off. I'm going to back up. Look, what it, here's what we need from you, older women. To be reverent. To be reverent in the way they live. What does reverent mean? What does reverent mean? Respecting God. You have a right. You have a right to have your say. You have a right to have your opinion. But having the right to have your say and having the right to have your opinion does not mean it's always right to give it. That makes sense? 
So be reverent in the way you live and not to be slanderers. It's something that we're having to deal with here already and we've been dealing with it before. And I'm, just, I'm just saying what the text said. If we're not careful, our critique or our criticism, listen to my words, our critique or our criticisms of other people, shared with other people, borders on if it's not, if it's not directly slander. You got an issue with somebody? Let's, you got an issue with me? Bring it to me. You got an issue with somebody else? Take it to them or keep your mouth shut. Slander never helped any church become the church that God wants it to be. Never. Now I know, I understand, I've been there, I've been in those meetings, I've, I've been in those situations where we're sitting around talking, well I don't like the way so and so does this. And it's an offhanded comment, it's just we feel like we've got a right to say what we say, and we say those things and then somebody else does what? They repeat it. And then when they repeat it, what happens? They repeat it to somebody else, repeat it to somebody else, then it finally gets back to that person. So what does it do to that person when it gets back to them? You don't know where it came from and who thinks this and why. And slander serves no purpose in building God's church. You don't like something, talk to the person that you don't like about it and, or else keep your mouth shut. Because when you say it to somebody else or you Facebook it to somebody else, what happens? It spreads. Oh, yeah. And sometimes what, what starts off is just an innocent vent. You're frustrated about something and it said all of a sudden it becomes an issue. Not to be slanderers, not to be addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Underline that one, ladies. That's what we need you ladies to do. We need you to teach what is good. We're going to finish what we started here. Then you keep teaching what is good. Um, real quick illustration. I'll make it much more pointed in our next meeting when we'll have some of our, our even younger women there. But I watched this last week. One of our mamas take one of the new mamas and sit down with her and talk to her about how to spend her money on childcare products, you know, things like diapers. And, and she was, the young mama was spending, she was spending extra money on things that she didn't need and uh, name brand stuff that wasn't any different than the generic. But because she'd heard it on the commercials, what did the young mama think? Well, it shows my love for my child if I spend more money. It shows my love for my child if I buy the best. You think that child's going to know? No. But that child might appreciate that extra 20 or $30 late put in the bank and a saving. There's all kinds of things. I, watched, I heard this mama do this with a girl. I thought, that's what we're talking about. Teach what is good. Are there verses from God's Word that need to be taught? You betcha. Let's keep teaching them.
Let's keep teaching them. Let's keep teaching them. Let's keep teaching them. But there are other good things you've learned in your life. Maybe you learned them from your mama. Maybe you learned them from your grandmama. Maybe you learned them from your mother-in-law. Maybe you learned them from uh, one of the sisters at church. Maybe you just learned it by trial and error. I don't care how you learned it. Pass it on. Share it. Teach what is good. Then that's what makes it possible for you to train the younger women. And younger women, younger women, love your husbands. Love your children. Do we want to build a church that is the kind of church God wants us to be? It's not about that many more classes. It's not about that, much, that many more activities. No, 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 no. It's love your husband. Love your children. Teach them to be self-controlled and pure. To be busy at home. <laughs> take care of yourself. Take care of your home. Take care of your family. What's that got to do with building the church? I don't know. He's the one that said it. Take it up with him. Go to heaven and argue with God about it if you want to argue with him. He said it. I didn't. To be kind and to be subject to your husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. Young ladies, what we need from you is for you to take care of you and your family. That's why, oh, and I... I I so wanted this to be the case. So wanted this to be the case here. We weren't able to do it here. I don't think it's, I don't think we lacked, I don't think we lacked um, I won't finish. I, I think we could have done it. We just didn't do it. We're so, our church mindedness kept us from doing it. I want us to keep in our mind I would love for our young mamas not to ever, 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 ever be put in a Bible class. They've had enough time with children. Let them have some time without children. Does that mean they're not going to learn how to teach? No, they're going to learn how to teach. But when those mamas got babies, let's let those babies be cared for, loved on taught while mama gets a chance to rest, while mama gets a chance to have adult conversation. Let's, let's, let's finish what we started here. Keep going. Young men, you be self-controlled. You be self-controlled. And the young man that was told to teach this was told to be an example. So if he was told to be an example to young men about being an example and everything, it would, mean, it would seem to me that young men are supposed to have that. So young men, you're, what we need from you is to be good examples. Look at Set an example of doing what is good. And your teaching show integrity, seriousness. We've read those words. We've read those. Young men, that's what we need from you. We need you to be self-controlled. We don't need you to be flighty. Um, I am fascinated. That's the right word. So I won't say alarmed. It amazes me how many of our young men will step in and then step out. Step in and step out. 
and step in and step out. Not understanding if you went to work that way, if you were trying to get in shape that way, if you were trying to have a relationship with a young lady that way, what would your success rate be? You show up to work one day out of four. You're not going to have a job. You show up on one date out of four. You're not going to have a girlfriend. You show, go to the gym one day out of four. You're not ever going to get in shape. So I, you pick the illustration. We need young men who will devote themselves to this place and to this church and to this building of a church and this finishing of what we started and make it their mission. Not make it a hobby. Not make it a hobby. You've heard me say it a jillion times. We need to be all in. All in. It's not, this is not a part-time gig. Now, I know, big, I know the church was where I've gone in the past. That's kind of how it's seen. You can come and go without... without having any effect, or you think, without having any effect on the growth of a church. Because they're still going to have church. There's still going to be a bunch of people. Well, and we are to that point. We're to the point where whether you show up or not, we're still going to be here. But the truth is we won't have you here. And without you here makes a difference. It makes a difference on what gets done while you're here. Or what doesn't get done when you're not here. I want you to look at verse 10 and we'll shut up. What was the reason for all this? Why did he want old men to finish what they started? Why did he want those old women to finish what they started? Why did he want the young women and the young men to finish what they started? Read the phrase out of your Bible. It might the teaching of God attractive. Give me another way to say it. Show the beauty of God's Word. Adorn the teaching of Jesus. That those who don't have it will want it. I read um, a modern speech translation a jillion years ago, and the, the way it translated it I thought was the best I'd ever heard. It matched what I think the intent of the Greek language was, and it said this. We live this way. We teach this way. We serve this way so that we might show forth the beauty of God's Word. We don't have to make God's Word attractive. It's attractive. We just got to get out of the way, right? We don't have to adorn it. In other words, we don't have to do anything to it to make it look special. No. But living this way, teaching this way, serving this way, allows people to see what God's Word is really like. It allows them to see what this church is really like. So church, let's finish what we started. I don't know how long that'll be for you. I don't know how long any of us have. But I, I don't want us to be finished yet. I want us to finish what we started. And to do that, we need you old men, we need you old women, we need you young women, we need you young men. We need you to live, teach, and serve in a way that it causes other people to recognize just how wonderful, just how beautiful, just how attractive, just how healthy 
God's Word really is. So maybe while we remember Jesus this morning, maybe, that, maybe that's what our exam ought to be. Maybe we ought to examine our place in this. What are we willing to do? What are we willing to do to finish what we started?
That is so mean, isn't it? Uh, let's take care of some housekeeping first. Uh, the biggest thing that I know is, is the 